during the age of constant connection, there is a force like gravity that shapes the inner and outer boundaries of our media. The pure force of signal, the pressures and colors of knowledge, the invisible barrier. The ears of many hear the story of few, and few can relate. This connection of orbiting voices is the next paradox of the century. All right, so we're going to get this thing kicked off today. I just want to do a quick little bit of housekeeping. Um, again, we're going to be doing these things every single day. We're going to start them at the same day, Monday, or same, I'm sorry, same time, Monday through Friday. And then on Saturdays, if we do a show on Saturdays, it'll be, uh, it'll vary the time. We're actually going to call it a show because we're going to brand it. We're going to keep it consistent. And, um... Yeah, we just wanted to be a regular space for people to come where it's polite, everybody's cool and kind to each other, there's no nonsense, there's no talking over each other, and it's all about Bitcoin, pure Bitcoin. So today's uh, discussion is going to be around, uh, well, it's really all for new people. So if, if you're a new person, it's new to Bitcoin, you have questions, please ask to be a speaker. We'll bring you up here. You can ask your questions. We promise we'll be nice to you, and we'll answer your questions to the best of your ability in a way that we hope will make you... We don't want anybody to feel like what they're asking is stupid. I guess that's the point. Every single one of us at one point didn't know shit. Some of us still don't know shit. <laughs> We're all learning here, right, every single day. And uh, that's that's what it's all about. So... Um, just want to thank everybody who's going to participate today. Obviously, my co-host, Humble, she's awesome, um, helps me out, keeps everything in line, makes sure that uh, we're not going off the rails with a bunch of nonsense. So I appreciate her. Also want to shout out to Moses uh, from Sats Radio. For those of you who aren't familiar with Sats Radio, he's going to be recording today's session. Uh, you can find out more information at satsradio.com if I said that right. Um, and it will be rebroadcast as a podcast on Spotify and Anchor and all of the other stuff. Oh, by the way, also, if you're a speaker, be aware you're going to be recorded today. So, like, don't say anything that's going to get you labeled as a domestic terrorist or anything. That said, good morning. And uh, if anybody has any questions, you're a new Bitcoiner. Let us know. We'll bring you up. Can I just say, uh, as you're doing that, as somebody who had none of that background, I love what you guys are doing with this space. I think that more resources that are just kind of pure Bitcoin 101 are really important. And that's why me and a buddy of mine, uh, Sovereign Mind, we actually just released the first episode uh, of a podcast called Bitcoin for the People. Um, with that's that's very much in line with with the intent of this. So I just love what you guys are doing here. This this is really cool. That sounds great. So you guys just started that, Harvard? Yeah, and, and we've outlaw, uh, outlined kind of what we think the arc of the series will be, and it's just very thematic. So talking, you know, starting with what the problem is that Bitcoin solves, talking about inflation kind of talking about how we found Bitcoin, what was the path and what were the influences on us that got us ready to receive Bitcoin as, as a concept and really lean into it and, and embrace it. Um, talking about FUD, um, just, you know, why does it come out? Who's involved in it? 
you know, just things that try to anchor people's understanding of Bitcoin in the way that we encountered it, you know, because Cyber Hornet, as you were talking, you know, we all have been introduced to this technology in a different, unique way, uh, at different times along our path and trying to bring some, um, uh, relatability to that process for all these folks, just like you're doing here. So I'll shut up and then we can get to that. But I think it's just so important to have these kinds of conversations in a really productive, uh, intentional, supportive way, because that's how you get more people on board uh, versus some of the toxicity that's out there. And I love the toxic maxis as well. So I'm not, I'm not downplaying their role, but I love, love that you're doing this. Well, thanks, Harvard. Yeah, it's important. I think we all come into it, well, we, we do, we all come into it differently, and we can speak to different audiences um, based on those experiences. You know, some of us can have a very highly technical background, so it's hard to connect with somebody who doesn't, and uh, so on and so forth. So it's, uh, there's never too many. There's never too many podcasts, never too many of these spaces where we can talk about this. So... Uh, with that said, Azar, welcome to the stage. Azar, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce it. I hope that's right. Um, how, you have something to contribute? Yeah, hello together. And happy uh, all-time high from yesterday. Um, well, I like FAT here in Bitcoin. I have learned so much. And uh, now as the next FAT is, maybe for some plebs, uh, or also for me, but interesting, what you would say about the next FAT, which is coming, and it's uh, regarding Mt. Cox um, rehabilitation plan. So uh, it's like uh, some uh, uh, information coming that over circulating supply might be increased, and uh, there is some selling pressure will be. Um, you know, some months ago, I remember that was also um, the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, like when Grayscale uh, is also uh, um, is selling pressure coming and so on. So, what you would think about what you would say about Mancox, uh like this uh, rehabilitation plan and increasing of circulating supply? Thank you. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I don't have anything to contribute to that aside from the fact that coin market cap just released something saying that that plan was approved. So I'm going to read through that a little bit. But um, go ahead, Alex. I was just going to say uh, I didn't get a chance to to before, but thanks Harvard um, for what you're doing, man. That's really exciting. Glad to hear it. And um, everybody, throw Harvard a a follow. Help him build that thing up. Help him get it going. If there's anything we can do, Harvard, to help you get accelerated on that, we just want the world to get the message as fast as possible. That's what this is all about. Bitcoin army, man. We're here to orange pill the other seven billion people in the world, and it's a it's a mission that is going to be accomplished. Humble, go ahead and go with the next uh, go with the next speaker. I'm not tracking all that right now. Okay, um, so Azar had a question regarding the Mount Gox rehabilitation plan, and um, it has now been approved. So is there anyone in the speaker panel that has a response to that? Any, any insight? Yeah, let me talk to that. So uh, what they're basically saying, the fear is, is that everyone's going to get their Bitcoin back and then dump it in the market. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the time period is uh, on how long they're gonna, how long they're actually paying it over. Is that, do you know that by any chance? 
these things don't just no. happen. Um, no, really. I mean, uh, um, I mean, just today is posted. Um, Ki Jung Chu he posted that um, he he's from Crypto Quant. He posted that he made some outflow alert and some discussion going on. Oh, it's coming, and uh, uh, yeah, you know. Um, but but we don't know. Yeah, we don't know when time it happens, and so you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely, gonna, I think, going to be some fraud in the market. Um, but I think at this point in time, it just sort of goes to strengthen uh, the narrative and, and the marketing of it. And also, you know, it's really good marketing for um, people that obviously had money invested in Mt. Gox that are now going to get 90% of it back too. So, you know, the, the system has worked pretty well. Um, it's one of the things people don't talk about. They talk about America and the stock market and institutions collapsing they fail to mention that almost every dollar that has ever been lost in an investment institution has been recovered in the all right um i did actually post that article it's just kind of a brief synopsis from uh, coin market cap so that's up in the mess now if anybody wants to read that um, now we have Satoshi. Satoshi, welcome. Thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, um, obviously, Bitcoin's price is uh, rapidly appreciating. Um, I wanted to get the group's thoughts on uh, the potential impact of wider adoption for those who need it the most. Obviously, there's folks out there who don't own assets. Um, and so as, as inflation keeps impacting our society, I don't know if they're going to be turned away from potentially getting into Bitcoin because they look at the price and they go, oh, I missed the boat. And then they start, you know, dabbling in like shit coins. Like how, how are you guys thinking about that, that issue and um, how, how can we uh, do a better job of educating folks? Because I know I talk to family and friends about Bitcoin and why it's important. Um, but I, I don't feel like it clicks uh, right away. They just kind of look at the price and go, I missed, missed the boat already. Okay. I, don't, I don't try and save anyone. Well, let me, let me give, um, there's a couple of things. One is there's this thing called unit bias, and the unit bias thing is the thing that, that where they're looking at one Bitcoin, and it, it's a psychological thing where they think they have to buy a Bitcoin or they've missed it, whatever. So this is super important for the community in general. This is just my opinion, but we need to talk about sats. Sats, 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 stack fucking sats. That's what we need to be talking about as a community. Why? Because you can be an absolute multimillionaire in sats right freaking now, and you don't have to be rich to do it. Like, you know, some of you know Stranger Than Fiction who's been in here a couple times she talks about that where she's stacking in increments of you know there are people who are stacking in increments of, of tiny amounts right and it doesn't take long for you to be a multimillionaire in sats and over time like she did this one comparison with a cup of coffee for example where in the beginning of bitcoin a cup of coffee cost 6.5 billion sats and then not too long ago when the price was bouncing around 50 or so, it was about 10,000 sats for a cup of coffee. So from 6.5 billion 
down to 10,000. That is a mind-boggling change. It is not that far to go from 10,000 to 1. You know, there's a lot of people who think that at some point it'll be a one-to-one -one ratio, one set for $1. And at that point, I mean, if we go from 1,500 sets to a dollar down to one, that's quite an opportunity. So I think we need to start conveying things in terms of stats. Stop sets. Stop looking at it as, as one Bitcoin. Start talking about it in terms of sets. Yeah, and I, I would also add that I try to give context that while 55 or 40 or 65 or 85 sounds like a lot when you're looking at, you know, thousands of dollars, if you consider what a realistic market cap could be, given what you, uh, utility Bitcoin offers, if it replaces negative interest rate debt, there's 16 trillion dollars of negative interest rate bonds that are out there if we continue to eat away at the gold premium that's another say five to nine trillion and so if you start looking at a market cap just of those two applications which is in you know not the limitation of bitcoin you're at a million dollars a coin so right now you're able to buy at 0.06 million dollars and it's going to one and when you start to apply that level of thinking to say, you know, the relative value that we see today feels like a lot, but it's only going to go up here and here's why. And then you do what Cyber Hornet said, which is I've got, you know, these smaller denominations that will continue to appreciate. In my experience, orange pilling folks, that has been an effective way of framing up that we're not too expensive today. And then I just belittle them. Uh, a lot when they tell me that they're dabbling in Doge or Shibu or, you know, Ethereum. I just, I, I dismiss it. I don't even really give them the time of day with those other coins, um, which I think has them realize that I'm addicted. It's important to, to explain that Bitcoin is in its own category and there's nothing like Bitcoin. Just because someone else calls themselves a cryptocurrency, that, that has nothing to do with the value of Bitcoin. And uh, if they need an example, think, tell them, like, tell them, you know, if, if, if they wanted to invest in Tesla, why would they ever, uh, if they looked at the price and thought it was too high, why would they ever invest in, say, Mazda or Nissan? That's not the same thing as Tesla. And it's, a, it's, a troubled, it's a troubled metaphor, but it's, it's sort of the same thing. Like, you want the pure, pristine, rare asset of Bitcoin and not some poor imitator that we can guarantee will be here in five years. We have some sayings, you know, Bitcoin, not blockchain, Bitcoin, not distributed ledger technology, Bitcoin, not crypto. Like if anybody goes off down those sort of side roads, just bring them back to that. Just use simple phrases, simple memes that'll help people understand. And then also um, you got to uh, think about the person you're talking to. Some people are more analytical than others. Like Harvard brought up some really good statistics and stuff that if someone's math minded or economics minded, that might click with that. But for the average person who doesn't do that, like just bring it to their pain points. Like, I would encourage everybody in the room to go do this exercise. Do the cup of coffee exercise. Figure out, <clears throat> you know, five years ago, how much was a cup of coffee in U.S. dollar terms. Do the calculation into SATs. Write it down. 
then do it for right now. Then do it for a steak. Then do it for a loaf of bread. And then do it for a gallon of milk. If you know those numbers off the top of your head, you can have a conversation with anybody on the planet and go, okay, how much was a gallon of milk five years ago? You can ask them. They'll know that the answer to that. And you say, okay, well, in sats, it was this much. Guess how much is it in sats today? Now, let me ask you a question. Would you rather keep your garbage dollars that are on fire and dying as we speak, or would you rather have sats? Yeah, no, I think I think you guys brought up some good points, and I, I do try to give context <clears throat> when I'm when I'm speaking to family and friends about that. I think I think the underlying issue that I'm coming to realize it's 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 folks are not questioning you know like what is money. I think everyone is kind of just kind of going along with with this. Um, I think I was watching the Max Max Kaiser show that's just like a 50 year experiment since uh, we got off the gold standard back in what 1971. I think. Folks just really don't understand what's happening um, in our world today, and there's just like no sense of urgency. And so maybe what British Howell say is like, you know, you just can't save everyone. So it's like people just need to do the work. Um, you know, I, I'm fairly passionate about it, and so I don't know if I'm coming across as a conspiracy theorist, but um, it, it's just it's just a struggle when when folks are. I'm talking to people about Bitcoin, and they keep mentioning shit coins, and it's just really frustrating because I don't know how to get them on board. So. Um, I just wanted to see what you guys what you guys thought about it, but it seems like I'm I'm doing all those things that you mentioned. So it is what it is at this point. There's two analogies. Right. Analogies work. Analogies is the best tool to teach people stuff because it puts it into a frame of reference that the human mind can understand. Two quick analogies. One is I don't know if anybody's familiar with the idea of um, pump and dumps. So pump and dumps are these like little penny stock things where. You know, what they do is, is that they claim they have an amazing idea, they create all this stock, they sell it into the market, and the people who created the pump and dump get rich, and then they, you know, it basically goes to zero and it's worthless. That's one analogy. Um, another analogy is like the internet itself. Like back in the dot-com boom, you had like, a, a, there was a dot-com for everything. There was a, there was a dot-com for flea spray, flea spray. There was a dot-com for, I mean, you name it. Where are those companies today? They're all gone, right? It's this exact same kind of deal. At the end of the day, you have juggernauts that stand throughout a new thing like that. And network effects is the key. Like Amazon dominates that marketplace because of network effects. They have all the supply sort of, um, uh, sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's, it's all in one place. They have all the supply. Right, so they become the dominant player. Google, same thing. They have the supply on search. Well, they've got some challengers now, but the point is the network effects are massive. You're not going to displace that. All these little shit coins that say they do this, that, and the other thing. That's great, but they will never conquer the network effects of Bitcoin, and that's kind of another. I want to try to loop all these things together. So what British said, so what you said um, on Harvard. So in my opinion, no, you can't, you can't save everyone, right? But I, I like the idea of planting seeds, and you're planting those seeds then based off of the pain points that you know about other person. So you really have to speak to them, try to find out more about what they're looking for. You know, they're going to consider it an investment because that's what everybody thinks it is, you know, initially. And then, you know, kind of go from there. Just plant these little seeds. Oh, well, it's done this. And did you know about this? And share different news things. So it's not overwhelming. 
I too have had the experience where I sound like a conspiracy theorist because like you get so passionate and you want people to understand and then you get kind of angry and are like, well, this is what's happening, you know? And then it's like, oh crap, this is all right. You know? And I did that with my mom. I mean, it, she's like, oh my God, you, you don't trust the government. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so let me scale this back a little bit. But I, you know, then I had to bring my brother in to help out because my mom now sees me as, you know, this person who's just totally up against the government and she's absolutely a hundred percent not. So, um, anyways, yeah, I think that all of those things, it's very important. First of all, don't look like that conspiracy theorist, try to tame that passion. Um, but plant those seeds, you know, and then what British said, you, you won't ultimately be able to save everyone. They're going to figure it out. They'll see it. In an irrational world, logic is not going to convert people, right? So I think the best way to make, you know, to, yes, we can educate, but if, if people don't want to be educated, you're not going to force things onto them. So um, I think the way to spread the education is by giving people the experience of Bitcoin. So next time you you go some, with someone for a coffee and uh, they pay for you, pay them back with Bitcoin, send them some Bitcoin, make them hodlers, you know, not by not by choice. Give them give them ten dollars worth of Bitcoin, five dollars worth of Bitcoin. And then that's kind of planting the seed. Now they have it. Now, now if it's something that they own, they're going to get curious about it. Okay, what is, it, what is this thing that I own? Let me go learn about it. The problem with doing that is that you're handing precious Bitcoin over to someone that doesn't even appreciate it. So I would highly recommend not doing that. Um, it's not worth it. If someone's going to go through the work and education, they're going to do it regardless of whether you give them any Bitcoin or not. I feel like uh, a lot of energy can be wasted as well, just like throwing things against the wall and it's never going to stick, right? Uh, I mean, I can speak to people who um, are just not reachable <laughs> on, on any topic. They just set in, into their own ways. And that goes back to you know, there's not a lot of good education on on money in, in schools, people aren't educated what money is, how to invest. Um, so, but again, maybe. that's taking away from personal responsibility, right? The biggest problem that we have right now is that people are just don't have a sense of personal responsibility because everything is too safe right now. Everything is taken care of. So well, that means so, so, somebody, uh, somebody who's not been responsible for 30, 40, 50 years, all of a sudden they're going to become a responsible exactly. individual. I agree with you on that completely. Well, I think, I think the point is that there are just many different ways and it's, it goes back to trying to find out, you know, try, if you want to exert that energy, then you exert that energy. If you feel like you can tell a person, okay, I'm going to do this, download this wallet. I'm going to send you the Satoshi's just please hold on to them. Like, just hold on to them. I want you to see how this increases. Like, just hold on to it. So it's it's just understanding. It's not going to work with everyone. Just like, you know, speaking to them, speaking at them doesn't work with everyone. But um, but I, I have heard that idea, definitely, Isla, 
many times. Um, people have talked about tipping waiters and waitresses uh, as well. So that, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is cool. I'm going to tip them with this, and this is a great way to spread the word. So many different ways. Um, Harvard, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Alex. Yeah, you came off mute. Go yep. ahead. We're going um, to start rotating some speakers so we can get some more people up here to speak if you're brand new. And you have questions about Bitcoin, this space is for you. We're doing this for you today. This is not about us. This is about you. So please let us know. You want to come up and ask a question. And we'll bring you up. Two quick thoughts on the whole, like you can't convince people and stuff like that. There's a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Another way of saying that is they have to be seeking the truth. If they're not seeking the truth, you're wasting your time completely. Another way to say that is rebuke is better for a wise man than 100 blows on the back of a fool. Yeah, think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out if you have these memorized or if you're reading them. You got to let one sink in before you go with the second one. I'm sorry. I, this is, I, these just like, when I hear these conversations, these kind of things just come to my mind because this is just stuff that I've read in the past. But see, why is it even in my mind? Think about that. You got to be seeker of truth. You got to seek this out. It is the glory of kings to seek the truth. Yeah, I love what you were saying about, you know, a lot of people don't know about what money is and it's not being taught. And it is very common. Like a lot of us, both, you know, went through it. Like you first come in, you've heard about Bitcoin, here you go. And then it's like, oh, there's these other things that I might be able to get, you know, 10 of or 100 of or even 1,000 of. And if I do the math, I'm... You know, if it just goes up like four cents or something, you know, if it just hits 12 cents, then I could make like 50 kajillion dollars, you know. But the more you spend time, you know, just kind of reading and, and learning uh, what money really is, um, for me personally, you come to a realization that Bitcoin and literally all of these other ones, all these other cryptocurrencies are just not in competition with Bitcoin. Um, you can actually see it on the top 10 of coin market cap, uh, right now, the more you get to learn about these various tokens and this space and what Bitcoin really is and what these cryptocurrencies aren't, you'll learn that like, for example, you know, right now we've got most of the top 10 are in fact competing with each other, not even Bitcoin really. You know, you've got ETH, you've got Solana, you know, uh, BNB, um, you know, I don't even know them all down there anymore, polka dot, whatever. But, you know, essentially they're all fighting for that same kind of niche, you know, use case that they're still kind of spreading with, you know, decentralized finance and all these buzzwords and smart contracts. And in the end, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, sound too trite about Bitcoin or, or shitcoin, but that, that's basically the message that I have for my friends and family when they're coming in and anybody new asking me, I just say, go back to the origins of money, try to find out what money is and, you know, maybe read the Bitcoin standard. But if, if after all of that, you've done the reading and you still want to buy the shit points, you know, it's, then you have to look at your unit bias. And uh, so, so that's what it is for me. Oh, we got yeah. to educate the, the younger generation, uh, the kids. Like you got kids, uh, nieces, nephews. That they're not. Their mind is not rigid, right? Like a mind of a sixty-year-old or a fifty-year-old. So 
um, another trend I'm seeing lots of kids like they're on this Roblox playing games and they have they have currencies within these games and they actually they don't care about um, dollars they care more about their Roblox so they can go and purchase things in games so uh, make it fun uh, talk about you know that that's you know, those Roblox that they use inside the games it, it kind of that's also money in the game and how you know make that kind of relationship get them interested in money say hey do you want your money to be as valuable today uh, five years from now as as today um and i think the kids are the the future right a lot of the times the kids know more than the parents and the kids will convert their parents you don't have to go and convert all the all the parents you you that's why kind of government goes after the kids to when the italian governments indoctrinate kids into ideologies they don't care about parents you know once they get to the kids uh, the kids will uh, will will have those arguments with the parents and they will um make some parents see the truth and obviously some summer will still be unreachable Yeah, I, I find that I run into two different types of mindsets, and and maybe it has to do with age. But there's there's the uh, mindset that um, um, they're they're just interested in uh, massive percent gains and number go up, and 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 they don't really see the value of Bitcoin. They they want to see they want to see the value in their portfolio making leaps uh, week after week, month after month. Uh, and then the other mindset is this whole space, uh, Bitcoin and this whole ecosystem bears the daylights out of them and that they, they haven't entered the market because, um, they're intimidated by it. And, um, it sounds like everyone has, you know, useful tricks and tips to, to, um, teach or to, um, expose these, these different people. But yeah, you're right. Uh, one, one solution is not going to work on the other and vice versa. Guys, I had a quick question. Right. So, yep, hang on one second. I'm trying to see the order here. I think, Cinder, I think you were next. Um, if not, please forgive yeah. me the others that came up. But, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, uh, it's, it's a great uh, Twitter space you guys are hosting. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of all yours. Uh, so, been uh, following you guys for a while. I just have a quick question on regarding the Bitcoin ETF launches here. I, I believe what I can see is, you know, people do not hold the real asset, but they are allowed to speculate on the Bitcoin. Uh, maybe, you know, will this push the, um, you know, uh, the acceptance of Bitcoin as a medium of exchange for another 20 or 30 years away? Because what El Salvador has done uh, is phenomenal, and I really appreciate it. I, 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 was, I was expecting a lot of countries would move in that direction, but now being, you know, pushing it to ETF, will it delay? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, for me, uh, medium of exchange adoption in the G7 countries was extremely far away anyway. Um, it makes sense in countries like El Salvador, where they don't have a stable currency, uh, but 
you know, trying to do that in the U.S. I think is extremely far away, and I, and I you know, I'm not on the side that thinks that the U.S. is going to go into, you know, uh, spending Bitcoin. Um, so I think it's had no impact. I think it's exactly normal and exactly what it's doing. It's it's becoming the uh, greatest bearer asset uh, and investment and savings tool that's designed to be. Yeah, thanks. I'm pretty sure. Uh, will this, I mean, uh, will this create uh, a kind of pump and dump scenarios, you know, because it's, it's being used as an ETF now? So, you know, I, I, my concern is where's the, you know, all the, all the new people who are joining or, you know, you know people who understand the meaning or uh, to understand the meaning of, you know, what Bitcoin as an asset is holding, looking at any pump and dumps uh, situations, uh, will it not reduce the, uh, you know, confidence uh, in you know, holding it as an asset uh, for long term? It should actually improve the pump and dump scenario. So when you've got a pump and dump scenario going on with a 100x leverage in an offshore exchange that's on, you, you can't regulate it, you can't see what's going on, uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, that's much more dangerous than, than having it uh, as a regulated product. So this should actually improve price discovery, reduce, uh, you know, those crazy happening, reduce volatility in the market, um, and, and so overall I think it's a really good thing. So I'm going to point out thinking about the futures ETFs is that they're not actually settling in Bitcoin. Like this first ETF that was approved is a is a 100% cash settled ETF. And the contracts for difference, they're not traditional futures in that Okay, the way futures markets are supposed to work is, is that they're supposed to help actual commodity traders smooth out their financial situation. And ultimately, they're supposed to settle in the underlying asset. These futures markets are not. They're 100% cash settled. They don't even touch Bitcoin. So the only way they could possibly touch Bitcoin is if there's some kind of arbitrage opportunity where someone is encouraged to sort of sell Bitcoin at a certain price and buy the ETF or vice versa. But aside from that, it doesn't interact with Bitcoin at all. So it's kind of irrelevant. It's kind of a sideshow. It's a side bet. Imagine you're at a, um, a racetrack and there's horses running around the racetrack and there's a bunch of people betting, making cash bets on the side as to which horse is going to win. You're not riding the horse. You don't own the horse. You're not involved in that race at all. You're just standing on the side, you know, circle jerking each other off, freaking doing cash bets. So in the long run, it's, um, it's important for, for, for the, from the perspective of it brings credibility to Bitcoin as, a, as an asset from an institutional perspective. You're seeing a lot of institutional money come into the space probably that couldn't touch Bitcoin before, but they can now because it's on a regulated exchange. The only other people as far as retail that are going to be in those ETFs are people who don't know what the hell they're doing because there's a huge tracking error over time that that ETF is going to underperform owning actual Bitcoin by a friggin' massive margin. And every day that it exists, that delta is going to increase. So only retail investors who don't know what the hell they're doing and like put it this way if you if you invest in a in a futures based ETF that's cash settled 
and you're trying to get exposure to the actual price of Bitcoin, if you're not trading in and out of that thing within a one-month window of time, you're going to lose money guaranteed because every month they roll it in arrears and they're trying to catch up to what's actually happening with the Bitcoin price, which means they've, they've lost whatever happened during that month's span of time. Hey, Alex, um, I appreciate that, but I just have to push back a little bit because I think uh, some of it is, is misguided. You're absolutely right. If you've got a really bad contango effect or a backwardation effect, then, then yes, um, it would ruin it. However, with an asset like Bitcoin, it's probably the roll cost is probably going to come down over time because of the efficiency of the market and the fact that it is a 24-hour market. So it, it should actually improve. Uh, I'm not saying it will, but it should actually improve. We'll see whether that actually plays out or not. Secondly, um, the idea that a futures market doesn't impact the underlying asset is just completely wrong because if a lot of money goes into the futures, it drives the price up, then that contango is created, which then drives the spot price up. You're right in the sense that the futures is not linked and directly owning uh, the underlying asset, and it's not settled in the underlying asset. But that, that, that part is, you know, from an institutional perspective, is really irrelevant. Um, and as far as the cash settlement goes, that's how most, most funds are done. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a normal process. Now, if you're in it for the revolution of Bitcoin, I can understand why, it's, why it feels wrong. But this is how an asset gets institutionalized. And I think it's perfect for uh, helping price discovery and market efficiencies in Bitcoin. You, I, but you and I, I think you and I are saying the same thing. We're just not using the same words. The, the arbitrage thing is basically what I was saying is what you're saying. So no, I mean, I, if, maybe I heard it wrong, but I heard you say that the futures ETFs are completely irrelevant to Bitcoin. They don't impact it, and it's a circle jerk to the side, but it's not. It's actually a circle jerk right on top of the current circle jerk of the Bitcoin market. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, 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 miscommunicated. Either, well, I miscommunicated or you misunderstood what I was saying. I didn't mean to say that it has nothing to do with anything. I was just trying to point out that it doesn't, they're not buying and selling Bitcoin. And it, I, I agree with you that there's going to be, you know, anytime there's an arbitrageable difference, that's going to get arbitrage, right? Which at some point, somebody's going to go into the actual Bitcoin market and either buy or sell based on that. So I agree 100%. Like we're, we're just sort of talking past each other. We're, we're saying the same thing just in a different way. Well, and on that note, it's a great uh, dip buying opportunity right now for those of you that are wanting to purchase more because you don't have enough, and we don't, do we, ever? Um, excuse me. Yeah, thanks for coming up. Um, looks like we've um, got Ezekiel and uh, Zayas. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Um, and I think Ezekiel's first. Go okay, ahead. So well, I, I wanted to jump on when you guys were talking about uh, how education was really um, non-existent for currencies within, you know, within education and, and how the governments go after the children for, you know, <clears throat> getting them uh, their support. I think that's, um, I don't know, I, I, I feel that if you, if you don't have any exposure to money and you're, and you're running from from money, or you you don't you don't value the dollar like a like a like a normal individual. I think that the, these types of um, assets or that these types of um, investments or or 
avenues or adventures are, are something that look a lot like um, an, an alternate means. You know, um, this is this is great. You know, Bitcoin is 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 doing that. This is the first you know currency that isn't backed by a government. So <clears throat> you're going to have a lot of that following within uh, within the within the space and. You know, I, I know we're we're talking about the the futures now, and and look at the institutionalization of Bitcoin, and that's all great. You know, this is this is this is the path that it needs to take to be something worldwide, to be something by you know used by investors, used by retail investments, and that's and it's just going to expand. So. To really kind of hit home on what I wanted to say is, you, you know, we all have that responsibility to give back that education as we understand it, you know, and and not give a, a full bias on on what it is because none of us will ever have you know have it all understood. I mean, it was developed by a, a shadow pseudonym that we can't point a finger at if it goes wrong, you know, so <clears throat> everybody's going to have, um, everybody has a responsibility to keep that, to keep that motion going, you know, um, I, I, I do as much as I can, you know, and I've seen, I've seen people really get educated over the past, you know, three or four years on, on finances within, you know, government within, you know, worldwide markets in, in a very fast situation and, and surpassed my understanding and, you know, ha- had more, had more involvement with, with some of these things and had more exposure to them. So it's just, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for having a, a breakfast club to, <laughs> to Bitcoin. And, and, uh, and I guess if, if I had a couple of questions would, um, I would ask if you guys think that, um, um, uh, contracts on Bitcoin was going to impact uh, in in a positive way or or a negative way, or is there is there people that currently are are working on that and have ideas on what those contracts on Bitcoin could look like? Thank you for your time. I'd like to just touch on the education thing because I think there's a distortion in the way that people think about money that we spend it and investments are something that we trade and the whole concept of holding and storing value in something that preserves um, that value over time and encourages productivity to compete for it that is a that is a concept that I think my generation, the generation before me, and all subsequent generations don't have. Um, and and I think that Bitcoin is not a cryptocurrency. Crypt, uh, cryptocurrency implies that its primary function is for trade and uh, transactions. It does have the capability, and it's a superior capability to the technology that we have today to perform that function. But it actually stores value like real estate like, uh, um, you know, anything that people say they want to apply, you know, precious metals or jewelry, it's, 
the apex asset. And you hear Michael Saylor talk about that in all of his uh, podcasts. And I think that when you start to reframe from a, I need to invest in Bitcoin, did I miss out? You know, it's 60,000, did I miss out? And you realize that actually I'm just storing, you know, $100 worth of my energy and time into this asset that is Bitcoin. And oh, by the way, because of all its technological properties, I can transfer it anywhere in the world. I can buy coffee with it. I can buy um, a home with it. I can buy all sorts of things with it because of the technology. Um, and you touched on smart contracts being built on it. I mean, who, from my position, who knows where that's going to go? I only am super optimistic about that that capability. But it is an education. That's why I'm a little bit more sympathetic to teaching people about this because I just don't feel like we know. So many people that I talk to about Bitcoin, they're all about trading it. And that's just the wrong mindset. You need to buy it. You need to hold it. You need to realize that you can take out collateralized loans against it. Like For that, uh, for a lot of people, that doesn't even register on their radar. But you don't have to ever sell your Bitcoin. And that concept in and of itself means that it's going to be superior to almost every asset that's out there. And it really is a re-education for millions and billions of people around the world who have never participated in an economy like the one Bitcoin is going to facilitate. I, I completely agree with that. I, I think that the, the real value of uh, these emerging markets is the equality that, that they bring. Um, and, and the transparency that, that comes with it. So, um, yeah, I 100% agree. Thanks. Awesome points. I'm going to make one quick housekeeping, uh, thing and then, and then we'll keep going. I'm going to let humble keep calling the, uh, the next speaker. If you're up here on the stage and you're a speaker, please raise your hand and humble will call you in order. Please don't uh, butt in. Cause what we want to do is we want to make sure the space is, is super civil and we're not talking over each other. We just want to run it in an organized way. Thank you. Go ahead, Humble. All right. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Next, we have Zayas. And I do want to welcome Dr. Jeff to the stage as well. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Thank you for the time. Uh, going back to what Humble said earlier in regards of education, uh, the way she, uh, Humble, you mentioned something about uh, your mother. That's when I came in, right, that you, you and your brother were sending bitcoins to your mother? Um, I, I started uh, orange-pilling her and was a little too passionate, let's say. So I brought in my brother to um, rescue the effort. Yes. Okay, I did the same thing. Uh, it, well, I did it in a different way. Uh, I'm, I'm from Puerto Rico, so 80% uh, of the population here lives under the poverty line. So crypto address that pain point that everybody had. Uh, the way I explained it to family was, the way I did was they didn't want to invest because they, they said this was uh, a mythical quest for uh, get rich quick scheme and, and all that. So the way I did it was by December of last year is when I actually got them involved. What I did was uh, we were searching for a solution. Me and my wife were searching for a solution in order to help our family. And we decided to ask everybody, if you're going to send anything, any gift, any Christmas gift to a home for a, it's for everybody, it has to be crypto. It didn't matter which crypto. 
And at first, they didn't like the idea, but the idea behind it was for them to send us the crypto. The idea was for them to get them into the market to actually, so they could actually firsthand experience the buying of the product, the buying of the coin, and sending At the end of the day, they, all of them invested in crypto, in Bitcoin in particular, and we didn't receive none of it. So I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that point because they didn't, they actually kept it and hold it. And for every birthday for either of my family members, what we do is we ask them which coin they want to receive their their birthday gift. We don't give material. We don't send down material things in my house. We send them crypto, uh, maybe 20, 25 bucks, 50 bucks of whatever coin they want in order to help them boost their portfolio. Right. And attacking education at that point, because, I was trying to help them, and I noticed all of us have the same issue. When we explain to them, we actually get hyped up. When we get hyped up, we tend to go over analytics with them, and people that doesn't understand the concept or are new to the concept will get lost in translation. So I understood, like, I was trying to find the pain points of my family, and we start addressing those issues in Puerto Rico, in our family, and now we're implementing them into different Puerto Rico markets in order to ease that uh, 80% poverty line rate. Yes, I, I, that, that is interesting. Um, it's definitely a, an interesting way of introducing um, the idea of getting away from fiat in general. I wonder if when you talk to them, if you're kind of uh, cryptocurrencies. I, I am, but initially, if let's say for example, like right now, you have people that don't know you, everybody has a friend or family that still, it's, it's on denial with, this, with, with crypto space in particular, crypto space in general. Um, if you go over, if you start explaining the situation, you know you will lose them, because you know the you know the product, you know how it works, you know how it goes. But they don't. So when you transfer that uh, knowledge, uh, some of them they don't like it because they feel they feel like it's too much trouble. So what I did was I did a, a hands-on experience. I want them hands-on. Once they once they were hands-on, they start researching and asking. Now I have a I have a, my stepfather is the one who's always sending me every day. Can you add this coin? The, first off, usually we have to educate ourselves, and then this is how we did it. We educated ourselves, and then we invested. But some people don't want to listen. Some people don't, I mean, some people don't want to do their own research. Actually, most people don't want to do their own research and just follow somebody. Just in case things go wrong, they have somebody to blame. And it's understandable. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm going to say two quick things, and then then you guys can move on. We've got a couple more uh, questions that are coming up here. But, like, my my first suggestion, my gut is, is that, like, don't let anybody turn you into their personal broker. All right? Make them make those trades. Make them do that. If they want to gamble, make them do it on their own. And make them feel the pain of their own freaking mistakes. That that would be my oh, no. section. Uh, the second, no, 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 I agree. Yeah, the second thing you can do is just if anybody wants to take a 
more than one position, maybe recommend you have like a base position and just compare them over time. So, so take $10, put it in Bitcoin, take $10, put it in this other crap coin, whatever, or $50, wherever that baseline is, never trade those two positions and then just compare them over time. They'll figure it out on their own. One of them actually. Well, and I, but what, what I hear, what I hear, and, I, and I'm just trying to think about this because I, I, I want to respect the fact that you've come up with this way to get people into the space, and, and that is a unique way of doing that. But, you know, when we talk about time and energy, so if, um, you know, your dad is asking you, should I get this coin or do, uh, you know, invest in this token or what have you, then that's, that's time away from where they could be spending learning about Bitcoin. And, um, and, I, and I know some people don't want to see it. They don't want to understand, you know, it's actually happening with monetary policy. But, you know, I, I, it's almost like you have to put a hard stop on it at some point and be like, this is what got you in, but now you're here. And now this is an opportunity to learn about what is happening and just plant these little seeds, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Because that time and effort that's being spent on these other projects, um, many of which will just go away, you know, and can be rug pulled at any time. Um, it, it's actually kind of a disservice to to family members. And of course, you're not ultimately responsible, you know, but you kind of have incorporated that thought process. So, um, and, and I'm not sure what you're saying to them on a daily basis and the discussions that you have, but I would imagine that you would um, be really trying to propel them more towards Bitcoin and just say, hey, you want to spend your time on looking into things and educating yourself, this is a way to go because I don't know why you'd want to waste time on um, learning about these other, other projects. Well, it, it's beautiful when, when they when they progress, and this is the last, This I, I, I'm going to, obviously I'm going to finish my time and, uh, talking about this right now so other people can talk. Um the way uh, it progressed now, I caught uh, my my mother and my mother-in-law talking about this the other day. And the way they were explaining it to each other, how they treat Bitcoin, they treat it as a, as a savings account. And I I actually thought about the way they were talking about it. And they're like, okay, so my, mom's, my mom told my mother-in-law, she's like, I, I do dollar cost averaging. And, and I start implementing, I start depositing maybe 500 bucks every month on crypto, on Bitcoin in particular, because, you know, she's like, the way I see Bitcoin, I see it as a savings account. It gives me, at the end of the year, if I keep holding it and keep depositing it every month, at the end of the year, I have, you know, I have more than what my savings account and the bank account gives me by a lot. And, and that was pretty much exactly how she was saying it. And... And it took me a turn because it, 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 it didn't took me a turn. I'm sorry, English language translation. But it helped because now I introduced her into something she didn't want to in the beginning. She was completely against it. And now she's using it as a savings account. It, it means that it was helping because she did her own research. Uh, after she got in, she started doing her research, right? You want to know where you're putting your, mouth, your money in. Well, that's good. That's good that she does see it that way, for sure. Um, Bad Wolf, did you have something you wanted to respond with? Yeah, yeah. I was just um, just going to add that you know a, a lot of people right now are kind of suffering from the uncertainty of of the of the price action because we're in price discovery mode, and so you know it, it's very tempting to 
whenever you're uncertain about something to constantly look at the price, you know, that kind of thing. And you're, you're actually doing yourself a huge disservice uh, by doing that, by constantly checking the price. Because uh, for one thing, like if you're, if you're sitting on a, a profit, which, you know, anybody who DCA during the summertime is, you know, sitting on a hundred percent profit, right. On, on the, on that Bitcoin that was acquired during the summer. Um, when you're looking at that and you see that green and then you see like, I don't know, you look at today, there's a 5% pullback, you know, you, you're like, well, shoot, I still got 95%. Maybe I should just cash everything out. Right. Um, that's a psychology that kind of comes into play because you don't have a fixed number, a fixed price point in your head. Like you haven't seen it hit 70 K yet. So you don't know if that's possible or not. Like we know doing our research that it is possible. Like it's probable, <clears throat> probable, right? So I, I just wanted to add, like, to deal with that, like sometimes it's just best not to look at the price. I'm going to add one real quick thing briefly and then turn it back over to you, Humble, is that, um, you know, we keep hearing this recurring theme where people are thinking of it in terms of an investment. And it might be helpful. I don't think of it as an investment at all. I just think of it as money. It's just better money. That's all. Full stop. It's just better money. And what will happen is eventually when people figure out that the U.S. dollar is crap and that it's devaluing and it's on fire and it's like it, it's like imagine if you had a gigantic pile of horse manure and you poured diesel on it and lit it on fire. That's the U.S. dollar. When people come to that conclusion, they're not going to think about it in terms of, oh, I'm going to sell it back into U.S. dollar because they won't want to. Just, just to follow, just to add on to that, um, you know, rather than looking at the price, like the, the fiat price, like what I prefer to do is just focus on how many sets that I have, you know, and I look, I look at it in Satoshi's because it's amazing whenever you look at something and you see like a hundred million of something, you know, like that's, that's a pretty amazing thing to, to see. And so looking at that versus the fiat value is a lot more satisfying. And I think it's going to be, uh, I'll be a lot better off for it. And bro. All good points. Oh, hang on one second. Um, welcome up, the accountant. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Um, let's see who do we have next. I think Matt. Matt, you are next. Welcome. Hey guys. Thanks. Um, I just have a question. This is for kind of like anybody here. Um, I've been in crypto for uh, about five years now but I've been only able to purchase small amounts of it over over weeks at a time, right? Um, I'm in a position now where uh, there's larger sums of money that can purchase crypto, but I don't know where or how I could do that. Does anybody have any um, any places that like Bitcoin.com or, or like, and that's just like examples, but where do you purchase your, your larger amounts of Bitcoin? SwanBitcoin.com. Check out Swan. That's the only answer, bro. Swan. I mean, that's a good start right there. Yeah, you, you know, can. you might find you don't need anything else. Hey, guys, good morning to all of yeah, you. super easy. Just to, to the point that Ellie was mentioning about how to... Oh, we lost the account. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Right. I removed him. He was butting in, talking over people. We don't do that here. Okay. 
All right. Let's see. Now I've lost my train of thought. That's what happens, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yeah. There's a little yeah. fighting going on there for a moment. Okay, I will pick it up, and then we'll, we'll let you get back in the swing. Next up is is Rock Kickerb. I'm not sure if I said that right. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Um, so, yeah, I just have uh, kind of a question about the – so we saw one ETF, um, and, you know, the result of that was – very interesting, um, but it seems like we have more ETFs online. And as far as like this uh, uh, contango kind of arbitrage um, uh, opportunity, it you know it introduces. I'm just wondering, as these ETFs come online, does that um, diminish the 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 arbitrage that you know some of these big institutional investors might um, take advantage of, or um, like as this, as I guess more supplies of these ETFs come online or, or not just, you know, thoughts on that. I'm, I'm not sure I understood your question. Could you maybe rephrase that another way? I, I wish Dr. Jeff was still here. He'd be the best person probably to answer that. Go ahead and say it again. Oh yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, too bad he's not here. I, I mean, I, I guess, um, like, I'm not, you know, an expert on this, so it's, uh, but, um, all right, the best way I could phrase the question is, you know, we have one ETF, um, and, you know, from the past couple of days, we kind of saw, um, you know, how, how things played out with uh, price action, Um and, uh, you know, the theory behind what's fueling some of that is this, um, this kind of arbitrage trade between the difference between the, um, the futures price and spot. Um, but that's just kind of one ETF. So, you know, I just uh, read that, uh, you know, there's more ETFs coming online and it just seems like, as these ETFs come online, that's just kind of more uh, op opportunities and uh, for traders to kind of come in and, and buy these or, or participate in these futures. And I'm just wondering if, if that arbitrage opportunity will increase or decrease um, as more of these ETFs come online. Harvard, you had your hand up. Did you want to speak to that? Yeah, so the second time through, it sounded a little bit more technical. And I will admit, um, relative to, to Dr. Jeff, I'm probably not able to, to speak in, in all of the different nuances that traders can take advantage of arbitrage. I know Preston Pish, back early in his bull run, was um, pretty bullish that the arbitrage trade was going to lead us to kind of hyper Bitcoinization because you would basically run out of calls or you would run out of coins um, in the near term because everybody would be buying them up to sell them at that future uh, price, which would then drive up the price. And so it would be kind of a positive feedback loop um, when you're getting into the, the futures um, game. That's not something I do. And Cyber Hornet and Humble, it sounds like what we're trying to do here is be a little bit more um, basic and how are things going to operate 
more in a steady state, less in a sophisticated trading environment. And I, my, the, my read on what we're going through right now is that there's just more um, big buyers that are entering into the market. Those big buyers either had mandates that were precluding them from being able to purchase in um, because they wouldn't be allowed to own any crypto asset, let alone, you know, Bitcoin. Um, now you're seeing these ETFs maybe structuring products that they're able to participate in, which is just going to be more demand on a finite uh, amount of supply. And um, I think you're just going to see this increased price pressure, not, you know, not investment advice, but I, I would say that if you treat it the way that we've been talking about treating it during this chat and you just dollar cost average, you buy it, you hold it. Um, all of this activity is only broadly going to be good for Bitcoin in the long run, because now you've got more bigger dollar players that are going to be learning about Bitcoin in the way that we all are as individuals. And I think that that's um, good for the world. Um, and we all should be actively scooping up as much as we can, um, because I think that price is just going to, you know, sats are going to get more and more expensive as we go forward. Very briefly, I, I, uh, I think that was a great explanation. If there's anybody in the audience who's an experienced arbitrage trader um, trading futures versus an underlying uh, commodity, please come up. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, if there's a massive amount of capital pushing the price up of the ETF and there's a difference between that and the underlying, then, then somebody's going to ARB that, and that's going to go the same way on the other side, I think. But at the end of the day, the cool thing is, is that because there's a limited supply of Bitcoin at the end of the day, if somebody's selling the Bitcoin and then um, buying the ETF or, or the inverse, the, the thing is when they sell the Bitcoin, they're selling it into us. <laughs> they're selling it into strong hands. So that's only going to work so well. And at the end of the day, I agree. I think that'll push the price up. So that's good for Bitcoin. You know, the interesting thing um, about the about the Bitcoin futures ETF is that it does allow you to trade options on it. And so I can see some um, opportunities for large amounts of leverage to kind of predict price movement. But that kind of creates incentives for institutional investors to, you know, like, you know, I just get nervous about it because of like what we've seen with GameStop and short sellers and things like that, short interest. There becomes an incentive to try to manipulate price. You're right. I think that there also will be bigger players like insurance companies that are going to replace large parts of their portfolio that is currently allocated to bonds towards assets, hopefully majority Bitcoin, but towards crypto assets and all of that noise that the hedge funds will do on the periphery because of what cyber Hornet said. I mean, this is the only asset in the entire world with a fixed supply with a predictive production rate. And if the miners start not selling their coins, they start financing through capital market fiat capital markets. You're going to get to an absolute shortage very quickly. That is going to definitely benefit one side of this equation um, more so than the downside. So, you know, and I always go kind of, you know, another <laughs> cyber horny said, 
some people are analytical. Um, I'm very analytical when it comes to investment decisions. And one thing that resonates with me is the sharp ratio, which addresses volatility. It talks about risk. It talks about this roller coaster that Bitcoin has been on since its inception. Despite all those ups and downs, the return, the risk-adjusted return, the sharp ratio is the highest for Bitcoin by far than any other asset class, better than equities, better than real estate, better than other cryptos. And um, as more and more people get familiar with that concept, that regardless of what it does up and down and left and right, nothing beats it. I think it's just going to keep getting better. And people in this space should have a lot of confidence about that. Quick, a quick thought, and then Humble, you can call the, on the next uh, person with a question, the next person that came up, is, is that if you think about it, futures markets were designed to smooth out trading in commodities, right? That's basically what their original purpose was. So what's a commodity? It's something that is mined from the earth or taken from the earth or extracted from either plants or animals or whatever the case may be gets used up, needs to be replaced, right? But the, the difference between Bitcoin and all other commodities, and this is an important, like this is this is a game changer in my opinion. It's such a huge difference for the, for the history of man. This is like a, a, a humanity changing event because all those things were designed based upon a fiat monetary system. So this is like cavemen discovering fire. This is like the discovery of electricity, why? Because Bitcoin's got an ultimate final inflation rate of zero, meaning more of it will at some point will not be produced, and the amount of it that's being produced goes down constantly at a fixed amount. So these systems weren't designed with that kind of a dynamic in mind, and at the end of the day, because less and less and less of it becomes available, man, we've never seen this before, and the net effect of that can be just... um, well, number go up, big time. Wonderful. All right, Rock, you feel a little bit better? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. I heard you. <laughs> oh, Dr. Jeff is actually here now. So maybe um, if we wanted to get his opinion, we were talking about that. Oh, um, yeah, it would be great to get his input. Okay, I just invited him up. Awesome, welcome back, Dr. Jeff. He has no idea what we're talking about right now. (laughs) I sent him him a message, so he knows. Yeah, you said something about about arbitrage. What's what's the question exactly? Um, Just as more, so, you know, we saw the effect of um, uh, one ETF but it seems like there's, uh, you know, there's another ETF coming this Friday, and I think there might be more um, futures ETFs um, coming throughout the month, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that may or may not be approved. And I'm just wondering, as as more of these ETFs come in, um, you know, basically thoughts about uh, the, you know, the arbitrage opportunity, like as the supply of of uh, basically these derivatives that you can buy into come online, like will will that um, arbitrage opportunity slowly kind of sizzle or will it increase? Um, just kind of thoughts on that. 
Sure. So generally what will happen is the arbitrage opportunity is based on just the future price of Bitcoin, right? So you're going out on the futures curve. Yeah, you can go out in whatever increments, one month, three months, six months, one year, things like that. And that curve, so where that futures price is above the spot price is basically based on what the market's perception of the future is. And so there's always going to be some sort of arbitrage opportunity. Sometimes the future, you know, most of the time it's positive, but, um, you know, in a bear market that will actually flip and go negative. Um, and that's, it'll just always be there. It's, it's there in every asset class. It just depends on what the market's outlook is for the future. So there's always an arbitrage opportunity there of, of some sort. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a large, uh, arbitrage opportunity and, and, you know, smart market neutral funds will take advantage of that and just, um, take a risk-free uh, gain of that percentage. Um, and then other times it's not very big. And so people aren't as interested in that. So will more futures ETFs bring in more interest to Bitcoin and more money into Bitcoin? Yes. Uh, I think it's generally a good thing overall. Um, I don't think that futures ETFs are a very good way to invest in Bitcoin for sure. They're probably the worst way to invest in Bitcoin. That said, it still tracks Bitcoin and it still is actually, uh, you can get pretty satisfactory returns, especially if you compare it to things like traditional stocks. Uh, bonds, things like that. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but you know, investors are always looking for those arbitrage opportunities and they always exist in some form. All right. Well, thank you for jumping in here and, and helping with that, Dr. Jeff. I understand you're busy and I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'll be in and out all morning, but if I can jump in uh, intermittently, I will. Thank you. So if it's cool with everybody, I'd like to move the um, Q&A for people who are new to Bitcoin. If you're new to Bitcoin and you want to come up and ask a question, please come up. Uh, let us know. For those of you who are interested in more ETF discussion, next week, Wednesday, we've got uh, Gabor Gurbax, who is one of the minds behind the Vanek ETF, which is scheduled to launch next week. together he's going to be on our show Wednesday morning of next week go ahead humble all right thank you for that um Infi, you are next welcome hello thank you I'm just listening uh, I'm kind of working so I don't really have any questions okay then we do have um Tarek. so let me bring you up a moment here and then Corey Looks like Tarek is still connecting, but good morning, Corey. Good morning, Bitcoiners and friends. <laughs> hey, Corey, can I ask you a question about Swan specifically? You may. Just be aware it'll be the first time that I've spoken to someone over six years old this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, so yesterday I posted a dealio uh, that's gotten a lot of attention um, where I was talking about how you can cash out on Bitcoin and take gains and pay your taxes and you'll regret it forever that you sold Bitcoin. You know, buy it, hold it forever and borrow against it and uh, not pay taxes on it and just pay the borrowing costs. So uh, with that in mind, 
do you think that Swan and, and this and if you can't answer this, I totally understand. But do you think Swan Bitcoin will ever uh, offer some sort of lending services against Bitcoin? Sort of, I call it a B lock, a Bitcoin line of credit, similar to a HELOC. Is that something that's possibly in the works, or are you uh, opposed to that for fundamental reasons? No, I don't. I don't have any fundamental opposition to you know asset-backed loans or Bitcoin-backed loans. Um, I used it myself. In uh, like to pay 2019 taxes, I want to say with uh, Unchained Capital, I just paid it off over time. So I think the biggest problem is uh, it's risky, and you got to make sure that you have plenty of excess collateral uh, and aren't using it for the leverage to sort of stay longer Bitcoin than you actually can afford. Which is, I think, what happened to a lot of people uh, in March of 2020. Is you know a lot of people, a lot of good Bitcoiners got liquidated on, on multiple platforms that uh, were using uh, asset-backed loans and just weren't forecasting how quickly, uh, you know, you could get liquidated. I mean, they've got your Bitcoin and you sign saying, let's them, uh, them sell it on your behalf if you don't fund more. So I think it's just knowing what the risk is, making sure you do something like way over collateralize, way over collateralize. Um, and then the other thing I think is just the development of the market and competition for it. So there wasn't really understanding uh, in the lending market of how good Bitcoin is as collateral, being 24-7 liquid, being able to, you know, to, to push the collateral instead of like sort of having a loan against your house and then, oh great, now I've got to foreclose on the house and get an agent and sell it. There's just so much friction that's not there for Bitcoin. So those rates will be coming down dramatically over time. So even if they're not like the most attractive possible right now, they'll get better. I think institutional with good reputable companies, like a 40% loan to value is probably around like seven, 8%. And then retail is probably around 10%. Um, again, from reputable companies, there are other companies, you know, in the, you know, crypto space that I wouldn't trust They're offshore. They're getting banned by different countries and stuff like that. That might, offer lower rates, but they're taking your Bitcoin. They're lending it out to shorts and market makers. Don't understand what their collateralization risk is uh, with the people they're lending out to. And then for those, I would not, uh, I don't think that the risk is properly accounted for with those ones. Um, so if they're offering something sort of lower than what you could get from like Unchained or Nidig, Unchained on the retail side, and I dig on the institutional side. Like, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't work with those companies. I would just keep the slightly higher interest rate for now, and uh, at least work with someone that you can trust and that's reputable. But yeah, I mean, in the future, those. You know, we all kind of forecast. We've all listened to Michael Saylor lay out this case that in the future those rates should be more like you know one percent or two percent or something like that. In, in fiat terms, and obviously, we should be able to uh, pay that off easily with Bitcoin appreciation. And the analogy that a lot of people use is like, you know, a lot of real estate families in New York just own a few buildings, and the buildings appreciate faster than the interest that they pay on the loans. And so you essentially have free money forever. It's like a, a permanent ATM. Uh, owning the Patriots is kind of like that. Like Robert Kraft just gets to take out loans against the appreciating value of the Patriots and the interest rate that he pays on the loans is a lot lower than the annual appreciation of the asset of owning the Patriots. So he's just kind of constantly adding leverage to his balance sheet, but his leverage ratio never goes up. 
hope that helps. Well, it totally does. And I, I completely agree with uh, literally 100% of everything you just said. So full circle, though. So do you, and, and again, just putting you on the spot, any chance that Swan being that you guys are a Bitcoin only country uh, company, which I love and, and highly respect, would you guys ever think about doing something like this? Is that in the works at all or just not even on the table right now? Yeah, I mean, we discussed it. I mean, we can, we can do it pretty much any time. Um, NIDIG will allow you to just kind of like white label their platform and offer it. So it's not, it's not out of the realm of consideration. I just think it's uh, pretty well served by Unchained. It's pretty niche It's not that many people that want it. And it's a lot of overhead to be able to serve those people well. Um, and I think we're still learning how to sell Bitcoin to a global customer base. Like that's hard enough. And I just want to stay really, really focused on, on just figuring out how to explain Bitcoin people and, and reach out into these networks around the globe and, and help orange pill people. I think it's, uh, that's what we're best at and we should stick to it for quite a while before adding additional financial products. Gotcha. Thanks, man. Thanks for the good answer. Good morning, Corey. Uh, for those who are, uh, were here yesterday, you might get this. I hear that uh, granola has sugar in it. A <laughs> few. Right. Definitely a few. Oh, man. All right. So I believe the next one up is Larry. Larry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I just had a quick question um, regarding mining. So when the, the last Bitcoin is mined and the block rewards stop, do the miners kind of just become um, irrelevant since they're not incentivized or are the like transaction fees kind of enough to keep them mining blocks? I'd be happy to take this one. Um, uh, the, the last block will be mined, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 2140. So well past our lifetimes, possibly even our children's lifetimes. Uh, so, but by then, you can imagine the, uh, the, the value of Bitcoin and the network will be so exponentially higher than it is today that the transaction fees will be more than enough incentive for uh, miners, big and small, to keep running the network. And quite frankly, um, you know, I, I think a lot of us believe that we'll be running fully off of a uh, Bitcoin standard by then. And um, we, we can't even fathom all the side chains and economies and businesses that will be wholly in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So those transaction fees, um, uh, yeah, you, we, we cannot wrap our heads around what, what that might be a century from now. Thank you. So, Matt, you're not going to uh, upload your consciousness to your robot body in 2050? <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm one of those live life to the fullest now, and, and I will be happy to take a long rest at a certain point. I'm not sure I am ever going to be interested in the quote-unquote metaverse. Well, um, somebody who owns Facebook surely is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like another subject, but yeah, I guess rebranding and everything, it's, it's pretty interesting. 
So, um, Vowel, welcome. Help me help. Hi, I wanted to know if Ethereum's going to be uh, good in like 50 years or should I just get out of it and just focus on Bitcoin? Get out and focus on Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm, I'm, here, I'm here for the softball game. Is this the slow pitch game? <laughs> uh, who, who wants to take I mean, I'm happy to, oh, brother. Elaborate. <laughs> um, Ethereum is probably one of the how to put this Ethereum is probably one of the most risky uh, quote unquote cryptos you could own every single other layer one crypto is biting at their heels and eating away their market share they've already admitted that their current state is not um, scalable is not good enough for the here and now or the future. They 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 quote they, they like to say that oh we're gonna perform several upgrades to Ethereum, but what they're not saying is we these are necessary or we're doomed or we're screwed. Uh, last but not least, uh, uh, Ethereum had a massive pre mine. Um, Seventy percent of the, of ETH was pre mined, and even after all these years, over sixty percent of ETH is still owned by uh, the very few powers that be. And you have to ask yourself if the if Vitalik, if Joe Joseph Lubin, if they start to see that Ethereum two point or three bo three point isn't happening, if it's not working, they will get out and they will get their money. And you won't know until all of a sudden over 60% of ETH is getting dumped. That is, that should send chills down everyone's spine who holds Ethereum. Yeah, we call them. So I, I wonder if I can ask a question and then um, to Vowel. So Vowel, my understanding is you own Ethereum and Bitcoin, is that correct? No, just Ethereum. Just Ethereum, okay. So what is it about Ethereum that made you want to to get into that what was because what was it was lower process? so say i think it's at four thousand right now so if it hits eight thousand my money would double instead of bitcoin hitting a hundred and twenty thousand it will take longer to double my money i think that's uh okay so does somebody want to answer yeah can i take a shot at this um i think the problem right there is that you still think dollars are money and I know it's like a hard concept to kind of wrap your head around. Um, I do want to state real quick, like I've really only started to study up on Bitcoin since, since December. But um, I would say the concept of money, uh, you're measuring the value of, of any particular crypto asset or physical asset based off of its valuation in dollars. But the valuation of dollars is constantly changing too, and it's always going downward. Um, and I think this kind of, uh, is important to understand is think about this all in terms of supply and demand and the functionality of value, right? So like yeah. if Ethereum can be printed more or if it's centralized or if it has a centralized control, um, it's purchasing power, you know, like we're talking terms of purchasing power. Um, Bitcoin is completely decentralized, which in digital terms is kind of like you can compare it to the purity of gold, right? The fact that you could always melt gold down to its purest form, it doesn't rust away. 
And so that decentralization is incredibly powerful to Bitcoin. It acts as an asset that just sort of naturally occurs in the world, but on the internet. And because of its absolute scarcity, its supply is completely capped. If its supply is completely capped and prices are being identified through constant trade and you see the number go up, sometimes it goes down, but zoom out, the number constantly goes up, that incentivizes more demand, creating a positive feedback loop. And this is the nature of money. This is an absolutely core foundational you know, um, aspect about money that you're in a free market world where there is no such thing as legal tender and no matter what the world decides bitcoin exists in a state of just free of legal tender it's it's constant participation if it's completely free uncontrolled decentralized it naturally exists in the digital world it has absolute scarcity and and price identity is constantly put back into it then its demand will climb and so is it possible to double 4,000 to 8,000? Does that seem easier? Well, when you start comparing how the supply and demand factor doesn't work in Ethereum's favor like it does in Bitcoin, the same way silver, the same way it didn't work in silver's favor compared to gold, well, you're making the type of bet that China made back when it decided to stay on the silver standard while the world changed to the gold standard. If you decide that Ethereum is the money you want to go with, and it's really important to understand that demand and the, the scale of the community that identifies Bitcoin as money, the larger that grows, the more valuable your coin is. And in a world where there is no dollars, where you've already chosen Bitcoin as money, or you're free to choose anything as money, Bitcoin wins because of, because of all of these aspects that make it the best form of money. And so if you start to think about where you're putting your, your quote-unquote dollars right now in terms of what's the functionality of the asset as serving as the best form of money and you really do your thousand hours, there's no question that Bitcoin can't be beat right now. Well said. That was, that was super powerful. That felt good. <laughs> yeah, it was. was very good. Yeah, um, I can say. I just wanted to go oh, back go to the original uh, point that the that the uh, person asking the question was uh, asked. I, I forgot who asked the original question, but uh, he he said that you know he compared the prices between Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin, and so right off the top of my head, I was thinking um, unit bias. You know, like the the prices. So those don't necessarily matter. Like it's it's because the the units of of these crypto uh, currencies are are infinitely divisible, so to speak. But you know the the where you get into a trap is the fact that Bitcoin actually truly is infinitely divisible. It it does have a mechanism. Like just to give you an example, no one's talking about one million dollar ethereum they're 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 talking but people are projecting one million dollar uh hyper bitcoinization due to the decentralization um yeah that makes that possible ethereum just doesn't have that capability because uh it, it's so centralized and you know it, there, there's just the use you know no one can project that no one can seriously project that 
And so really what it comes down to, so $4,000 versus $65,000, that doesn't matter because if you're just wanting to double it, like just buy whatever you can in, in Satoshi's for Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You just buy whatever you can, you know, however much you were going to buy in Ethereum, you buy, you know, Bitcoin instead and you get the units and then those units, that's what you're looking to double or to multiply you know, it's in some form, you know, we're, we're talking, we're, we've been thinking adding zeros to the end of things. Like we're in a rounding error right now. Okay. So I would like to, uh, wrap up that question with ant. Um, because Ethereum was basically created to do the whole smart contract thing. And I think ant can speak to the whole, uh, difference between, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum in terms of smart contracts, and then let's move on to another subject. Purpose of the room today is uh, if you're new to Bitcoin, please come up, ask your question. We'll be nice to you, we promise. We'll answer your question to the best of our ability. You're, you're welcome to ask for clarification. So, Ant, if you want to talk about briefly the difference between Ethereum and Bitcoin when it comes to the whole concept of smart contracts. Sure, yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm not the expert, right? I mean, I know a little bit and it comes down for me to, uh, you know, you go back to like the block size war and not, not going to bringing all that up. But that was when I first came in, it was about, you know, the block size war and, and shouldn't we have layer one be able to take care of all this, you know, all these, uh, you know, extra functionalities like smart contracts and, uh, you know, Bitcoin, the, the idea is the, the, the concept that, um, anyone can run a node on relatively inexpensive equipment um, should not be lost on anyone, right? And so part of, you know, people think like one day if Bitcoin gets smart contracts, it's going to kill Ethereum. But the, the truth is Bitcoin already has smart contract capability. A lot of people don't realize it, but like, for example, like it's a smart contract, but it's just, it's, it's you know, you don't want to be putting... It's, it's been hard and difficult to put, uh, you know, that functionality on the Bitcoin blockchain and, and, you know, keep it, keep those small blocks. You know, if I can say, I'm trying to say it right without trying to get everybody, you know, too deep in the weeds. But the bottom line is, you know, smart contracts already exist on Bitcoin. We have uh, the taproot um, change coming, I guess, in November. And, uh, you know... One thing about what Taproot does is everything that I just said about, you know, adding size to the blocks and everything, you know, with smart contracts, it actually makes smart contracts way more efficient on the Bitcoin blockchain. So, you know, uh, what Taproot does or aims to do is to uh, reduce the size of the data that's, that's, you know, powering these smart contracts. It does other things too. It, it, uh, it, it takes a smart contract, a lightning transaction, you know, um, it, it considers those just normal Bitcoin transactions. So I'm trying, I'm hoping I'm saying this without people, you know, going over people's heads here, but I just think that the bottom line for me is I don't see a lot of value in like Ethereum. I mean, I think that if layer one can handle smart contracts and I know that there's examples of like crypto kitties and NFTs and, you know, other smart contracting systems built on Ethereum and I, I get it like it works, but it also doesn't work in the sense of like security and the nodes and, 
there's like a whole bunch of things that if you just kind of start looking into this a little bit and just give it a little bit of, you know, research besides like what people are saying and, and kind of what your gut might be telling you might be wrong, but that's my kind of two minute piece on it is just that, you know, with taproot coming, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I never really saw a future for Ethereum anyway, just because of how centralized it is. Number one, I mean, first principles right there. I and mean, I just can't even get on board. Um, uh, somebody said the other day, like, you know, Vitalik will figure it out or, you know, they can just roll it back and, you know, not a big deal. I don't like any of that talk. So for me, I didn't see a big, huge future in Ethereum anyway, but now with Taproot on deck, I mean, it's just, it, it gets smaller every, every, every day, you know, and that, that's what I would say with it. Okay, one quick uh, comment, housekeeping, then log, I see your hand. We're going to keep rotating through the speakers. We're going to take some of the current speakers off the stage so we can get some new people up here. Um, new people, if you want to ask questions. Um, yeah, just a quick thought, Ann, about what you're saying is why the hell would you would you want to, to, to sort of let your financial future rest on what Pinky and the Brain are going to do in their, in their cave when they're plotting, like, the, the future of humanity? I just, I don't even understand that. Um, Log, go ahead. Yeah, um, just I'll, I'll be quick because I know you wanted to move on. Um, regarding Ethereum, I just posted my brief thoughts as a tweet at the top. Um, but the, I, I think that um, Vowell's comment uh, on the price um, and the unit bias wasn't really addressed um, head on. And um, the, the idea, and this applies to all altcoins, the idea is that, well, they're lower in price and so they have more upside. And, and that couldn't be more wrong. So the price of a coin is um, largely determined by when a, whoever created it, what they decided arbitrarily the supply was going to be. So there's a there's an altcoin out there. It's one of the DeFi coins. I forget what it is. It's priced about the same as Bitcoin because when that guy created the coin, he didn't press as many zeros on his keyboard when he created the coin. And there are other coins that are a fraction of a penny because the person that created that coin pressed a whole lot of zeros on their keyboard when they created the coin. That's all the price is reflective of, is how many zeros somebody pressed on their keyboard one day. What you have to look at is market cap and compare the market cap to what's called the total addressable market. So like, how far could that market cap go, go up? And Bitcoin has the largest total addressable market cap of any asset in human history because it has the potential and even the likelihood to become all the world's money and um, that would put the value of one Bitcoin somewhere around the buying power of $100 million today, or one Satoshi to $1. Um, whereas altcoins, their current market cap, most of them are far, far higher than their actual market. And they're all competing against one another to do the same thing, a few, a few of the same things. And so, you know, 97% of them will, will go to zero. And and um, and so the, the, it's mostly downside in altcoins. In other words, their market cap is higher than it should be, whereas Bitcoin's market cap is a tiny, tiny fraction of what it could be. So that's what you need to think of in terms of market cap rather than price. Very well said. I'll briefly add a quick point to that. If you want to compare you know, altcoins, shitcoins, whatever the heck you're going to call them, to like the whole penny stock pump and dump thing, that whole space is being driven by VC money. Like, they are all kinds of hyping the crap out of that space. Why? Because it's a casino. Like, if you look at the way 
pump and dump stocks work. The issuance is held largely by a small, there's the majority of the shares are held by a small number of hands. What do they do? They pump the hell out of the concept of the stock and then they sell into retail and they make a tremendous amount of money. In my opinion, that's, that's what most of these things actually are. So we're going to turn the mic over to Uncle Terwig, Terwilliger, CFA. He said his, his bio says Bitcoin is love. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope everybody is enjoying hey. breakfast. Um, thank you guys so much for giving this forum. Um, the question that I have been struggling with and <clears throat> hoping to get some context here is the long-term sustainability of Bitcoin mining versus the adoption of the Lightning Network. So from my understanding, as the adoption of the Lightning Network continues to proliferate, um, that really cuts into the transaction fees earned by the miners. And I'm just trying to reconcile those two competing elements longer term and how that works. I don't know if it's a general open question to the community that the community will be wrestling over the next 10, 15, 20 years, or there's a known answer to that. But if anybody has any context on it, I'd love, I'd love to hear it. They're not anything. Well, they're not the same thing. Does it, is there anybody on the panel that wants to take a shot at that? Because they're, they're very, those are two very different things. Yeah. One is funnel settlement and one sort of, um, liquid it's, it's more of a liquid network it, it's um the the example i like to use is lightning is like the cash you put in your wallet and you carry it around with you uh you, you kind of you pull you you have to withdraw that from an atm and so atm is sort of represents the the chain that's final settlement and and so you know the way you get money into the atm the bitcoin atm is is to send bitcoin to a wallet or buy Bitcoin on exchange and send it to a wallet. But once you want to spend it, you, you load that into a lightning wallet. So that's the equivalent of taking money out of, the, out of fiat money out of an ATM and taking it in your, in your wallet and carrying it around with you and paying for transactions as you need to. But at the end of the day, once you're done with all of that, like you may have some cash left over and you may want to put that back into your ATM. So that actually creates, um, when you take money out of the ATM and put money back into the ATM, that creates an on-chain transaction. Uh, and, and the equivalent of that also is true on the Lightning Network. Uh, whenever you put money into your Lightning wallet, uh, that creates an on-chain transaction, which requires miners to process that transaction. Um, and whenever you uh, take money or uh, take money out of the Lightning wallet and put it back into cold storage, that also creates a chain uh, transaction on the blockchain, which is mined by miners. So more than enough fees to go around is what you're saying. Two different fee sets. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's just that it's additive to the network. Got it. Got it. No, that's, that's great color. I really appreciate that. Thanks again, guys. You're most welcome. Well, you really, really appreciate you coming up and asking the question. If anybody in the audience has a question, let us know that you want to be a speaker. We'll bring you up. We'll be kind to you. We promise. We've got about 10 minutes left in the spaces today, so we'll, we'll be wrapping it up um, pretty soon. Craps, welcome to the stage. Did you have a question? 
Uh, yeah, you know what? I did have a question. I think it was uh, LogScale a little bit ago said that Bitcoin already has the capability for smart contracts. So that got me thinking because I personally, and uh, just for some uh, prep, uh, preface here, I kind of would consider myself more of like a uh, retail investor at this point. Um, but anyway, so I've been using uh, smart contracts on Ethereum for DeFi. And whenever LogScale said that Bitcoin has the capability for smart contracts, that got me wondering, is DeFi and yield farming and all that something that would be possible on the Bitcoin blockchain? Uh, yeah, I was the one that was talking about that. And I mean, they say that, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the idea, right? It's like, if Taproot is a success and if Taproot does what it says it does, then it's, you know, supposed to be able to reduce the data that's on, you know, these contracts for the, that are on the Bitcoin blockchain dramatically, which would increase the efficiency, obviously, and, you know, the functionality. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons people go to like a product like Ethereum is because of that very issue that I'm trying to outline, not so succinctly. But it, the bigger concern for me is, you know, I'm always wary about adding anything other than just the core concept of Bitcoin, which is, you know, decentralized distributed money that's, you know, uh, you know, cannot be censored, cannot be seized, you know, all of that stuff. It's, you know, the, the time chain is a, is an amazing technology. I'm glad that smart contracts are, you know, getting the upgrade, so to speak with Taproot. I do think it's spells trouble for many, many coins. We've seen this before where Bitcoin, leaves what you think might be powerful coins like name coin or pure coin or leaf coin or whatever they are all in the, all in the dust. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am with it. Okay. I see. Well, that would be really nice to see. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's like, I, I think that it would be a benefit and, and it would be great to say, well, Bitcoin's DeFi is, you know, going to kill anybody else who's just used Bitcoins. I just am always wary about adding all this stuff to the Bitcoin blocks. So that's just, you know, I'm interested to see how it works out. All right. Awesome. I just wanted to welcome Neil up here. Hi, Neil. Good to see you. Hey guys. What's up? Not much. Nice to have you up here. Um, Tariq, I know you've been trying to get up here and connect for the majority of the time. It's good to see you have a, a good Thank connection you. now. How yeah, it's, it's not about connection here. Uh, I actually wanted to, to come in and, uh, you know, uh, also add to what the Logos was saying uh, in terms of smart contracts. What many people, uh, you know, ignore, not ignore, but tend to forget is that Bitcoin has its own smart contract language, the script language. It was specifically designed by Satoshi Nakamoto. It's a programming language called script, specifically designed with operation codes, opcodes. And this can be added and tailored in order to create any kind of smart contract that you want. Now, we need to also differentiate between DeFi uh, contracts and smart contracts because smart contracts could be defined as a set of conditions and that's easily executable with certain functions and you know the programming stuff and that's already available by the way at a lot of the earliest earlier blocks um are are built on this uh, uh you know uh, logic and even the current wallets because it's a locking and unlocking script so the set of conditions make it possible to create smart contracts efficiently effectively and without the need to 
you know, have more electricity consumption or have more, uh, you know, hurdles. It's already there. Just wanted to chime in on that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's like what I was saying earlier about multi-sigs, you know, it's like just the concept. I mean, smart contracts are already on the Bitcoin blockchain. It's just, it's, it's been, you know, we're trying to keep these blocks small and the current implementation of, you know, what we're talking about is adds too much data to the set. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, again, I don't know. I mean, we already had rare pepes. Y'all can go look those up. I mean, it, it exists already on bot on Bitcoin, but Tapu will lower the data dramatically and it will consider the key part for me is that it considers smart contract transactions, the same as just regular transactions. So there's like a privacy aspect there too and other stuff. Very cool. Definitely read up on. Okay. Awesome. I want to thank you guys for your contributions and all of uh, the things that you shared just then. Uh, we've got about seven minutes left. I'd like to uh, ask all the speakers that are on stage for, for the next seven minutes to pretend you don't know any word that a Bitcoiner uses. You don't know the, the meaning of it. And just speak in words that nobody who knows anything about Bitcoin will understand. If you're in the audience and you have questions about what Bitcoiner is, the purpose of this chat this morning is to answer your questions. So we're here to do that. Um, feel welcome to come up. We'll be kind to you, we promise and uh, get those answered. Neil, I don't think I've spoken to you before. Um, although I've seen you in our, in our Slack chat. So you're the co-host of podcast Inside Bitcoin 21. Do you want to talk briefly about what that means? Uh, yeah, so the podcast is called Inside Bitcoin. I just started that with Joe Corvasari who is um, a lawyer in the space. Um, I've been running Cafe Bitcoin Rooms on Clubhouse uh, for the last 10 months, every morning at 6.30 a.m., and they basically uh, go all day. So, yeah, and I've just been in and out of Bitcoin for years, um, unfortunately. I started in 2013. Uh, but then sold shortly after, didn't get back in for a few years, then unfortunately was exposed to all the shit coins, um, but then learned to Clubhouse any um, day at 6.30 a.m., any weekday, 6.30 a.m. Eastern, and listen to a bunch of us talk about Bitcoin. We take beginner questions. Um, and then the podcast I'm doing, uh, we do that once a week where we just go over the, the news of the week and what's to come. And uh, Joe is way smarter than me. So definitely uh, tune in for him and not me. But also, uh, just if I could plug one other thing, we're actually running a contest right now um, to win a ticket to uh, Bitcoin 2022 in Miami. Um, I could share it to the nest here if anyone's interested. I know you're closing down the room soon, but... Um, if that would be cool with you, it's a f free contest. You just have to follow our accounts. That's really it. Yeah, by all means, please do. Please share it. I just want to thank you um, for doing all of that, like everything you've done for the community. It sounds like you've been involved in this longer than me. Like uh, I used to work in the gold industry. I was I'm a, I was a professional physical gold fund manager, and it was like a in 2020, 
I started, you know, it started clicking in my brain that, that Bitcoin is probably a better alternative. And I went down the rabbit hole in 2020 and I'm not going to belabor like the story or anything. We can tell that some other time, but, but short of it is thank you so much for what you do. Yeah, no, and thank all of you for hosting these spaces. Yeah, my, like I said, I first got introduced to Bitcoin in 2013. A friend of mine uh, was buying drugs with Bitcoin. So I decided, oh, I'm going to buy some of this Bitcoin. It tripled in price. I sold it. I didn't get back in for a few years. Um, and got back in and uh, traded away most of my Bitcoin. That's why I'm so adamant about people not trading uh, their Bitcoin because I've learn the tough mistakes um, i also understand bitcoin now and don't want to part with any of it so anyways i shared to the nest um the ticket giveaway we're doing you just have to um, follow the instructions and the link above and you enter to win and right now there's not that many people so you have a pretty good chance of winning a ticket which are now valued at like 499 dollars and they go up in on november 1st the prices to Bitcoin 2022, but we're going to be giving away the ticket um, before. So, yeah, definitely enter if you want. Thank you, Neil. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Alex, I just wanted to let you know, I brought Jamie up. Jamie actually has just come out with a podcast somewhat recently, and I, I really like her format as well. Um, it's very simplified. It breaks it down um, quite easily. It breaks down Bitcoin. So, Jamie, if you want to say hi. Hey guys, how are you? Uh, thanks so much for bringing me up and uh, sharing my new baby podcast. It's it's exciting. Tell us a little bit about it. We've got two minutes left. We'd, we'd love to hear what you're doing um, and uh, we'll be wrapping it up pretty soon, but let us, let us all know. Yeah, sure. So I'm just uh, about four episodes in and I really, the goal here was just to share my passion uh, for Bitcoin with the world. And, uh, and, and bring people on who uh, are experts. I'm, I'm certainly no expert, but I love it. And uh, I wanted to make it relatable and fun. Uh, and that's kind of the gist of it. So I'm, I just started like, I would say four weeks ago. Fresh. Awesome. Okay, so for those of you who are interested in that, go ahead and give Jamie a follow. Go check out our podcast. Hedge, I see that you requested to speak. George, I see you've requested to speak, but we're going to be wrapping it up here. So we do these uh, every single morning. If you want to join us tomorrow morning, we'd be happy to address you, your questions and bring you up and hit all of that. Um, I would like to take a moment and thank all of you for participating today. I want to thank all the speakers for all the wisdom you shared today and all the love. Um, I want to thank my awesome co-host, Humble Warrior. She's the best. Um, she helps me keep these things straight and make sure that we're not uh, running a train wreck. So she's awesome. Thank you, Humble. Um, the whole purpose of these spaces is that we want to just, we want to talk to Bitcoiners, sure, but we really, really want to talk to people who are new um, because our mission is to orange pill the world. We've got 7 billion people more that we need to go. So this is the Bitcoin army, guys. That's our mission. That's our purpose. Um, and that's what we're here to do. Oh, one last shout out to Moses, who's running Sats Radio. This has been recorded today and is going to be posted on Sats Radio. It's going to be posted on Spotify, etc. Check out his, uh, his profile. Give him a follow. Click on his link for Sats Radio if you want more information and links and all that kind of stuff. So love all of you guys. Thank you for being here. Let's go out there today and crush it. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate Thank you, Alex. it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hosting.
<laughs> Enjoyed it. Bye. Thanks, everyone.